0: Hey there, Conquerors. This is Conquering Columbus, the only podcast that brings you the stories of the people and businesses that are shaping our great city week in and week out. And today on the show, we sat down with John Slemp, co-founder and head of marketing at Rove. Their team is working to provide renters with ways to save money and invest by paying rent. And we really enjoyed our conversation with John, and we believe you'll get a lot out of the interview as well. Before we get to that episode though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz
1: Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org.
0: Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based
1: facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com.
0: All right, Congress, let's get the show on the road. You can drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get
1: I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average.
2: This is Conquering Columbus.
0: Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. And today on the show, we're excited. We got John Slemp joining us. And John is a co-founder and the head of marketing and business development for Rove. Rove is a financial services app that partners with building and apartment owners to offer renters the ability to earn rewards, save money, and invest in real estate through their rental payments. And we're really excited to have John on today to talk about everything they've got going on, learn a little more about the Rove team. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, John.
2: Thanks for having me. Been a big fan of the show for a while and super appreciate you guys having me on today.
0: We appreciate you joining us too. At the end of the day, it can be uh, you know it's it's exciting always to end the day talking to somebody from around Columbus and learn more about your team. But uh, kind of one of the first places we always like to start is just taking a step back, talking about life leading up to Founding Rove. So some of the roles you were in before that, where you went to school, kind of any key highlights along your life all the way back to childhood.
2: Sure, sure. So back to childhood, I'll keep it abridged. But uh, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut called New Canaan, and there's nothing really remarkable about the town. It's a little north of Manhattan. So everyone's parents in that town would hop on a train in the morning, commute into the city, go to work for the day. Um, but what is interesting about the town is back in like the late 50s, 60s, 70s, the Watson family, the founder founders of IBM, they settled down there, had a home there. And uh, as the lore goes from my parents who lived in the town, if you walked around town and asked any random person, it was likely that they worked at IBM. And I bring that up. Because I think that part of my childhood was interesting because both my grandfathers lived in New Canaan at the time and both worked at IBM. One was in products, one was in sales, and I always got to hear stories about them. Kind of growing up, listening to those stories about them in like a selling environment and an innovation environment during the boom of capital equipment, right? So leasing capital equipment, IBM's bread and butter, putting a computer in every office and all sorts of other capital equipment. And to me, what always stood out to that was The power that technology could have in changing a workforce, changing a country, uh, and the role that you could play, uh, not only as someone as like an engineer, but someone in sales. So growing up, hearing those stories, that was always very interesting to me. And I think uh, an integral part of kind of where I find myself at Rove now. The other interesting piece is where I kind of found an appreciation for real estate. So really early on, my parents, you know, when I was about five, got divorced. It was a fine divorce, they're very friendly still and, um, you know, healthy relationship, right? But with the divorce, we, you know, they split, sold their house and moved back in with their parents. And for the next about 10 years, we were renters. So I watched both of them who had good jobs, you know, we were fortunate and they struggled to save for a home, right? In a a place like Connecticut, the price of a home is really high. Uh, Taxes are high and it's, it was hard even back then to buy a home. So kind of familiarizing myself with that struggle uh, helped as I moved through the decision for founding Rove. It was something that as soon as I, I heard the idea, I immediately attached to it. So fast forward a, l- a little further now, I found myself at Miami University in Ohio. First time I came out to Ohio, uh, you know, a kid from Connecticut, had never even seen the state before, and all you'd ever hear about it was it was a bunch of cornfields. Uh, there wasn't much to see or do out there. And I remember flying in, I'll never forget, looking down, seeing a bunch of cornfields (laughs) and thinking, wow, did I make a mistake? Uh, You know, then driving out to the Oxford campus. I don't know if either of you have been there. Absolutely beautiful. Stunning. Right. And I think my time at Miami, I got to meet a lot of really interesting people who I still keep in touch with today. Many of them moved to Columbus. And the network I built there, the the things I learned there, um, you know, outside of school, inside of school, great, but outside of school, I think the, the communication, uh, networking abilities and just finding people who do interesting things and talking to them was something that I took with me out of school and helped land me in my position today. Kind of the founding moment of Rove, how that happened. So as I moved through some roles outside of school, you know, I found myself moving to Columbus. My wife, now, then-girlfriend, moved to Columbus. She was an Ohio native, and she started working at Abercrombie & Fitch right out of school. So I followed her out here. I didn't have a job. Uh, I just knew that I wanted to be near here. So I've been in Ohio really ever since college. Uh, I met Calvin through uh, kind of like a couple serendipitous paths. So I started doing some consulting work for a small startup in town. Um, I got really interested in the fintech space and really interested in... Uh, what technology could do to enable making uh, governance of financial systems more free, fair, open, um, you know, all of those fun things. And found myself in a marketing and business development kind of consultation role for this company that Calvin happened to be on the board of. Um, so we worked kind of abstractly together while there. You know, fast forward a few months. I talked to my friend, Chris, uh, who worked at another startup in town. He knew Calvin. And I think he eventually got tired of hearing me talk about uh, all these governance versus government versus, you know, technology models and said, hey, John, Calvin has a cool idea. I think you should talk to him. I think you guys are going to hit it off. He wants to start a company. So I go meet Calvin at Arch City in the short north, and he tells me about the idea for Rove. Uh, and I follow up with him the next day with a laundry list of questions. Like I, I stayed up the entire night thinking about... All, all the different angles, uh, you know, all the questions that I had. And I think that really surprised Calvin to the point where, um, you know, we both knew that we had something that we had to go after. Uh, and that's really how I kind of got to Rove. Some of our, so two other co-founders that we have, and in case listeners aren't familiar with Calvin. So Calvin Cooper, he's was a venture capitalist, uh, now our CEO, co-founder. We have Scott Sumi, who's out of IBM. He's our chief technology officer. Uh, he and Calvin linked up through uh, another technologist in town, Kevin Mack. So him, him coming out of IBM, helping us kind of stand up the strategy, the technology infrastructure for what we're doing. And then Jonathan Nutt, our head of product, also out of IBM. So he and Scott had worked together for a long time. Um, so that was kind of like the founding team. We found ourselves working nights, weekends, in coffee shops, uh, in closets of startups around town <laughs> before we got our own space. And that puts us at around you know, November of last year. So take it back to what did you study in undergrad? Mm. So I was a history major at Miami. I chose to kind of go down that path, the the non-typical path for Miami, at least. My uh, grandparents, again, both grandfathers, they were uh, liberal arts majors. So one history, one English. And they told me, you know, I think the best advice that they gave me was don't go after um, something that's going to pigeonhole you or your trajectory kind of go, go do something that's a little more broad and then go back to business school. If you, want, if you want, go back and get your MBA. And I took that advice to heart and really enjoyed what I, what I studied at Miami. I think I've always been someone who's enjoyed context, whether that's the history of the British Empire or whether that's you know, the reason for a decision being made from a, a business perspective. I think that was super helpful for me, just to kind of be interested in the topic, um, rather than forcing myself to be something that I I didn't want to be, like an accountant. Yeah, so so I chose to be a history major at Miami.
1: And then, how did that unfold to your first few jobs out of college before the whole Rove situation started?
2: Yeah, so it was uh, the first job out of college not having kind of like a relevant degree. You know, I could have been maybe a lawyer or like on the History Channel with that, that type of degree if I didn't want to be a teacher. So it was a struggle to find a job. When I first came out here, it took probably two months to find a job. I started working at this outsourced sales company uh, called New Growth in town. And I learned a lot there from just the perspective of grit and resilience. So it was kind of one of those dial for dollars types of jobs. But what they did really well there was teach you good foundational skills um, that I was able to take away with me. What I also learned there was, that, you know, the account I was working for was Battelle Memorial Institute, so one one of the largest uh, outsourced research and development companies in the world. And what I did there was help them license and stand up new technologies through strategic partnerships, um, particularly in neurotechnology, medical devices, consumer products, things I had no idea about. So I got to learn, <laughs> learn kind of how to be in these environments where I was uncomfortable, but also stretching myself to learn and continue to be successful. So after New Growth, I had two more roles before Rove. So I went to Dynamic Web and Mobile Development Company, uh, really focused on e-commerce, and that was a blast. It was more of like a startup scene. Uh, And then went to Nationwide Children's, this foundation, and helped them stand up their national cause marketing campaigns. There, uh, really started to focus a lot on marketing, Um, still on sales as well, but really like strategy around marketing. And while I was there, got to start working kind of nights and weekends more in this fintech space. So it was probably like 2015 that I started really getting into financial technology and digging into, you know, the definitions of money like things like just going super deep on topics it would be on reddit or some uh, you know dark hole in the internet reading about some topics right and i think that experience and just learning the context for our entire financial system was got what got me super interested in joining rove or trying to seek out an opportunity like that and that's how ultimately i met calvin if you go back and just kind of think about that is it was showing the the passion i think for solving that challenge that really brought us together
0: Hey there conquerors. We're going to take a quick break in the show here to tell you about one of our sponsors, Mix Wonders. Creating a podcast is a ton of work and a lot of heart and soul goes into your work, and that's why you want your audience to have the best listening experience possible. And that's why we work with Mix Wonders. Mix Wonders is an agency that helps podcasters like us get the most out of their audio. And whether you're spending 4 hours mixing your podcast each week, or you just can't seem to get the level of quality you want out of your audio, Mix Wonders makes it super simple to get pop star level audio at a low price. For a limited time, they are offering to mix your first episode for free. So just go to mixwonders.com, that's M-I-X-W-O-N-D-E-R-S.com to sign up for a free mix or consultation. Save time, sound professional, Mix Wonders. So we get to the point you know, today where you said back in November we were at and, and and going from zero to one is kind of one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast and getting from idea to creation. So what are some of those first steps you guys are taking where you bring a team together, you get Calvin, you bring a team together. Do you start building app first? Do you start fleshing out the MVP? Like where do you go from hey, we want to do this to actually implementing it?
2: <laughs> it's a good question. So uh, I'd probably have to take a few steps back from November. Uh, because I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Brett Kaufman. So Brett uh, helped us out really early on. He's a a co-founder of Rove, kind of less involved in the day-to-day, but really helped us stand up the idea of Rove and get it to an executional phase. So what we focused on first with Brett was, you know, we approached him with the idea, and he immediately, before the pitch was even over, was interested and said, hey, yes, let's do this. How can I be involved? How can I help? You know, let's formalize some sort of partnership here. So Brett, you know, to his credit, opened up his doors to his whole team, anyone from the, the leasing office all the way up to his president, Frank. And we got to just bounce ideas off of them and really like find a true kind of one product market fit for one customer. And we took that model, implemented it in April, and they're building Gravity. And we're able to kind of stand up all the systems that I, I can get into in a second here that we needed in order to get that pilot ready. But what we were able to do from that was kind of iterate and create a, a, take in feedback that was globally maximizing from a lot of different property developers and mitigate feedback that was locally maximizing and push that into like a more honed product that's allowed us to scale quicker. To more directly answer your question, kind of like November to April, how we started to scale there, uh, we started hiring, so I think Two, two of the hires that we made really early on were se- senior engineers. And it was super helpful to have people that could spin up really quickly uh, that had worked with our CTO in the past. And we were able to spin up a mobile app website in less than a month and a half and get that you know, financial services platform rolling. What, what we did choose to do was kind of partner with some people in the FinTech space to allow us to move faster on offering accounts to consumers, um, and that is a piece that you know, we didn't have to buy. There are other other paths to doing that, but I think choosing that was probably the best decision we could have made um, because it allowed us just to get a product out to market and iterate as fast as possible. We're, we're of the mind that what you're going to put out in the market first is never going to be perfect. And if it is, you waited too long to put it out. So. You should almost be, you should almost be embarrassed of, of your first product, but quickly iterate and make it better and take in user feedback. So that was really like our go-to market strategy. So fast
1: forward to that first uh, first product you guys put out into the market. What did you learn, and how quickly did you iterate, and then how did things begin to evolve?
2: So we learned a lot as far as so where, where Brett's team I think was extremely helpful was implementation. So uh, how you can work with leasing teams and just kind of the the minutia of all the different systems that they have in place and the regulations they have around communication with residents and things, things that pitfalls we did not know about. And then others would be kind of like, how does a program like Rove fit in a PL? and how, how do banks view that when they're looking at, at an asset and people asking for a loan? So th- things like that that we didn't think about before, they're able to kind of raise flags and say, hey, you guys have to think about how this works, and let's change the product to make it work in a way that we can, we don't have to change anything in our current deal structure. So I think having like that that deal with with Gravity kind of in place was super helpful because it was real. I think if we had thought about it in uh, in terms of just kind of ide- ideology, we would have never gotten to a workable product. And what we started to learn really fast was as we went to other property owners, they were really interested in the product. You know, it's it's something this housing affordability is you know front front and center in the news every day you see an article about it and it's usually coupled by another article talking about development so i think when they hear about the idea of rove they're immediately interested and usually when we're talking to them and pitching them the, the only thing we have to convince them of is that it's going to help their bottom line and, and that it can actually work so what we had to iterate on quickly was creating an msa that could incorporate all of the feedback we were hearing and just make seamless
0: growth possible so there's kind of like two parties that you really have to work with though right so you've got the property owners and the property managers who are you know they have certain goals for this product but like what about feedback from renters and feedback from the people that are actually i guess who would you call your end user, right? Is it the property manager or is it the the renter?
2: Mm, it's a good question. Yeah, so the end user is always going to be the renter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we do have a two-sided marketplace and kind of my role at Rove is is growing both sides of that marketplace. Um, but truly, who, who we're setting out to help is the renter. But what our product does is create kind of a financial alignment that allows both parties to, to benefit. So when we're talking about renter feedback, I think uh, you know our approach, and I'm sure my head of product is going to kill me when I try to t- talk about his approach. But our approach has been, um, you know, get get the product in the hands of the users and see what they do with it. You know, I think it's one thing to do interviews and and hear what people say they want to do, but it's another thing to actually see what they do in the app. Um, I, I think there's there are dozens of books out there that um, you know we're constantly reading and trying to learn from people who've done it before and one approach that we've taken is just, yeah, get, get the product out there, measure, uh, A-B test, iterate, and repeat. So that, that's kind of how we've started to hone our app. We also ask people some directional questions. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we had question of at first was are people really saving for home ownership? Um, so, so if you look at our marketing, we, we do lead with, with home ownership because I think that's the biggest challenge we're trying to go solve. Um, and when you do look at the user data, over half of them are saving for a home, uh, which is super interesting.
0: And, you know, it could be tied into both. Like, do you think that's marketing-led user behavior? Or is that user behavior that is buying into the market? Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah, no, you can it's, see fair, it's a fair both. question.
2: It's a fair question. I think um, it could be a little bit of both. I think that you, we're definitely seeing a trend of some renters who never want to own a home, and they're growing part of the population. I think part of that, you know, I question some of that as are people just kind of, Disenfranchised by the, the prospect of saving for a home that's becoming increasingly more expensive, um, kind of from all sides. And the other piece, I think, yeah, maybe people do just want flexibility. You know, generation rents here, people, people are renting everything. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about renting that's great. But I think, you know, when, when you're thinking like long term savings, uh, I mean, home ownership is top of mind for, for most people that we talk to, even in kind of a, uh, a watered down, non marketing setting.
1: And what does present day look like in terms of team structure? Um, maybe uh, users on the actual platform, um, and then what does the future look like for you guys?
2: Yeah, good question. So right now we're about a dozen or so employees, mostly engineers. So I, I'm one of the few uh, like non-technical people on the team. Um, I think you know our, our approach there is we we've started to get really good traction in the market. We've started to have you know, more users than we we could have imagined kind of at this point in time when we're looking back last year this time. So now it's a matter of, you know, can we can we scale a team to build out all and, and surface up uh, enough product to serve the interest that we've already generated and then continue to scale? So our focus is over the next six months, 12 months, to continue to scale a team as quickly as possible with the best talent. I think, you know, one of the challenges you run into is, kind of that chicken or egg. So you have to have more engineers, you have to have more people on your team to get more things done, generally speaking. But uh, I think the next five or six hires for us are gonna be really crucial to the rest of the company. So they're, they're gonna be the people that are leading teams. And if they're not you know, the right hire, if they're not a good culture fit, and if they don't have the values that, that we value, then I, I think that permeates to the rest of the company. So we're being very, um, very purposeful in how we're going about hiring. And we started to put some more structure in place around that and have more consistency, bring in more people into the process, and it's been super helpful.
0: So looking to hire six more people, continue to grow the company. What are some of the biggest challenges you see on the horizon, other than getting the right people in these roles and finding people that are good culture fits from a business perspective, maybe more so, and from your side of things as marketing, getting the message out there, getting people to buy in, getting property managers to buy in, what do you see the biggest challenges there on the horizon?
2: Yeah, so I think there's a couple things. So big challenge, it's a it's new category, right? So people aren't used to receiving uh, cash back on their rent. You know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, I think happens in a myriad of other ways, uh, but just kind of like semantically and, and, and tactically how this happens is brand new. So kind of creating the mindset that you should be getting return for paying rent is a big challenge that we have to overcome um, you know, I think we've seen some early success around that just by, by the user growth. Um, but I think the other challenge is, and, and always has been, you know, property owners. So when we first set out to do this, people their biggest question was, you know, will property owners do this? You know, why would they give money back to renters? That's dumb. And our answer was always, they're already doing it. They're just not do- doing it in the optimal way. They're, they're giving them two months free rent. Um, They're giving them concessions maybe to renew their lease or they're giving them gift cards. And they're all these kind of like one time quick hits that are quickly forgotten by the renter. Um, I think where they're missing is this kind of like loyalty program type of feel that we're introducing um, with the Rent Rewards product. So having an engaged user come back through this app, constantly having their cash being added to it the property owners cash being added to it and creates a much stickier experience. One where people you know, have to buy in um, instead of kind of just opting in for a one time benefit. But that still remains a challenge. People are skeptical, um, you know, and rightfully so. But I think when, when you evaluate the program and how it's set up, you're only paying for uh, renters that you retain, right? So so we've set up kind of a process and we can dig into how, how the product works itself. But we set up a process for uh, if if residents aren't living up to kind of like the expectations of the building, lease obligations, if they're not renewing their lease, then they're not getting
0: any of their reward. Right. Yeah. So you tie that in so that both, you know, the the there's a benefit for renter, but that benefit for your property manager would be, hey, you know what, you're encouraging the right tenants to stay, getting the right tenants to stay longer, and ultimately saving money on not having to turn the unit over as much. Is that... Accurate?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the whole, uh, the name of the game, really. You know, it's, it's how the, the the whole product is financed around reducing the costs of turnover. Um, so you mentioned a few, you know, marketing a unit, uh, you know, the, the one and a half months on average that a unit will sit vacant before it gets filled, having to do capital replacement costs, all of those things cost thousands of dollars. This program costs hundreds. Um, so it's just, it's a better alignment of incentives to reward renters who want to stay, uh, because they're typically going to be better renters for you as well. And I think, you know, a, as we start to grow our network, we'll start to see more network effects around that, more compounding benefits around that. Um, and some of the features we're building into our app now are starting to uh, get get towards that direction.
1: And then the final question that we have of the show as we start to wrap things up is uh, centered around the theme, which is live uncomfortably. And curious to hear, you know, how it applies to you, your career, and what you guys are doing at Rove
2: and what it means to you sure yeah so i think that resonates uh really well you know when we think about kind of like the the challenge that we're solving and what it will take to really solve it you know we have 40 million renters in the us there are 500 million rent payments about 480 million rent payments every year you know capturing value and passing that back on to renters is a huge challenge right and to get there is going to take a lot of uh, living uncomfortably and a lot of stretching. I think you know, in our role roles as founders and early employees at a, a tech startup, you are constantly wearing different hats. Um, you know, ten months ago, I wasn't a digital marketer. Now I'm, I'm leading that four-row. Um and it's something you just have to learn out of necessity because we have to be successful. Because this is this is the challenge that we have to solve. I mean, I, I think it's important enough. So I mean, that's just kind of something that we live with every day. Uh, And we are looking for other folks that like to live uncomfortably uh, and want to go after solving this challenge, too. So um, if you know anyone, let me know.
0: Definitely. (laughs) And uh, Conquerors, feel free to comment and uh, let us know. If you're interested, reach out. We'll have some links down in the show notes. You can learn more about John and his team. Uh, But John, any last words for people of Columbus before we let you go?
2: I think uh, I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. Um, I hope the folks in Columbus can appreciate kind of what we're trying to do at Rove. Um, if they have any comments for product improvements or uh, if they do know anywhere that they think Rove might be uh, a good addition to a property, let us know. We'd love to talk with them and we're always looking
0: for more feedback. Perfect. Thanks again, John, for joining us at Conquerors. Thanks a lot for tuning in. That was John Slemp from the team at Rove. Again, if you guys want to learn more about them, check all those links down in the show notes. And we really appreciate you tuning in every week. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares.
1: Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org.
0: Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent, through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm gonna kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX.
1: FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more